This episode brought to you by Audible, and today you can receive a free audiobook and 30-day free trial by visiting audibletrial.com slash sports. Listen to your audiobook anywhere, anytime. Exploring the impact of sports. Welcome, Welcome to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Having conversations and hearing personal stories from those who have been impacted, built, and inspired by the role of sports in their lives. Here's your host, Richmond Weaver. This is episode 78. I am your host, Richmond Weaver, and glad you're listening through whatever platform that might be. And thanks for being an investor by investing your time to listen. Being forced out of your comfort zone may seem daunting at times because of this fear of being ridiculed. But many times it's that step out of your comfort zone that actually leads to skill development and even opportunities. In this episode, our guest, Matt Schick, shares just how true that has been for him through multiple moves in his life. Currently, you can find Matt on ESPN, where he is a studio host for college sports on ESPNU. And prior to joining ESPN in 2012, Matt started his career in sports radio after college at 950 The Fan in Denver, before moving into TV at NTV in Kearney, Nebraska, And then he would make that move to Omaha, Nebraska with KETV as an anchor, producer, and even a reporter. And he would also co-host and produce The Schick and Nick Show on 620 The Zone prior to making that move to ESPN. Here's episode 78 with Matt Schick. Matt, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate the opportunity of sitting down with you and not only being able to sit down with you, but ESPN Studios, this is an honor, and just being able to hear more about your journey and you know how you gravitated towards sports. And I know for sports, there's seasons, mm-hmm. you know, there's downtime. But for you guys, do you actually have any type of downtime or a season, so to speak? There's a, there's a couple of weeks in July. You know, I'm focused so much on college sports that when school's out. I'm out a little bit, but then there's media days, and before you know it, the ball gets rolling again. I mean, the, the seasons roll right into each other. I mean, college football starts essentially in mid-July with media days. Of course. Then practices, then the games, and then November rolls around, and you've got college basketball. And so you've got – that's one of our busier times because you've got college basketball and college football going on at the same time. Bowl season ends, but then you've got the early signing period. And then you go into more basketball. Then you've got the late signing period now in February. Basketball continues, and then college baseball is starting up. And so, uh, and college softball. So, all of those things lead to the, the World Series for the women in Oklahoma City and the men uh, in Omaha. And I'm covering those from a studio perspective. So, it's, um, it's interesting. It gets to about the end of July. You kind of catch your breath for a couple of weeks, few weeks, and then you start back up again. Yeah. So how are you prepping and how are you staying informed? I mean, what, what's your typical way of how you're, I mean, especially once the seasons start overlapping mm-hmm. each other, how are you staying focused on all the information that's coming at you? Yeah, it's a challenge. A lot of it for, for instance, college football, it's preseason magazines. It's 
keeping up on the latest news links and what's going on, listening to the coaches at Media Days, following, (laughs) Googling Clemson, Georgia, Bama, you know, top 25 teams right before the season starts, but not neglecting the other teams as well, and just trying to take some notes. Um, You know, the season starts, and then the news is pretty easy to keep up with once the games start. As long as you watch the games, or at least – you know, we're going to be for radio game day at different campus sites. We're going to have TVs on and we're going to be watching everything. Um, the challenge comes when you're doing play by play for like I'm doing a little bit more of that. Uh, for instance, college basketball, you know, we're going to be college football season still going to be going on. And there will likely be some play by play opportunities for me coming in maybe November, or December and so when you're trying to prepare for a college basketball game, and frankly in December, I'll be honest, I haven't watched a ton of it because I'm so immersed in college football. So when you've got a game, you're just kind of drowning a little bit going, okay, what? who's on this team? How do I prepare for it? Let's watch a few recent games, <laughs> yeah. catch myself up to speed a little bit. And uh, so it's it's kind of a daily thing. Uh, and then before those seasons start, you're just kind of cramming. And is play by play something that you've been wanting to get more into yeah. rather than just the studio? Yeah, I did. I did it in college, and I loved it. In fact, when I was in college, I wanted to be a radio play by play guy, and that was my first inkling. And in hosting a, a radio show on campus and wanting to just go toward that medium, and then. Things changed a little bit and decided to go the TV route, but it's always been a, a a pursuit. And so when we had some layoffs and ESPNU studio became less of a priority, we said, okay, there's going to be more play-by-play opportunities for you. And so my, my biggest thing has always been just have something different, have a different challenge. You know, I did local, local TV, local uh, sports television, uh, for God, the better part of eight or nine years. And after a while, you just say, I, I need to do something different. So I went into radio, even took a pay cut to do it just because I needed to have... You know, my dad said something really that has stuck with me for a long time. I was at an ABC affiliate in Omaha doing TV for... I was going into my, I think, my fifth year or so of doing weekend sports, weekday reporting, Nebraska football. It was great. I love the job. But he said, there's a difference between having five years of experience and having one year of experience five times. And it became repetitive and I didn't feel like I was growing. So got into radio and then, you know, many years later, I'm doing a lot more radio now. And so that background has certainly helped. So um, the, the play-by-play is is something that I've, I've leaned on a lot of people here within the business to try and catch me up to speed on the <laughs> mechanics uh, and then it's it's like anything really. It's just reps. Yeah. You just got to get snaps. You you got to get it under center a few times, and then before long, it becomes second nature. So speaking of you know, getting those reps and how you wanted to go into radio, so let's go all the way back though to the early days, mm-hmm. Matt growing up, <laughs> yeah. you know, and what that looked like as far as your first memory of sports and why you gravitated towards sports. I think like most kids especially boys, you you want to be like your dad, at least I did. And he was a big sports guy. 
uh, he watched, he was a big New York Mets fan. He grew up in Queens and, and eventually became a big Mets fan, went to the old Shea Stadium back in the day. And so I became a Mets fan very early on. Uh, we lived in upstate New York or western New York in Rochester. We were big Buffalo Bills fans. And so that, those two teams really, and then Syracuse, once I got old enough to really appreciate college sports, yeah. <laughs> that, those were, those were my three teams that I followed. And so, um, you know, watching sports, not really taking it seriously, but then that really fed the, you know, f- fed me in terms of a passion and, um, and just following that. Uh, and then eventually, you know, wanting to get into journalism. And, and I knew that I, I knew very early on I was good at sports, but not good enough to make a difference <laughs> to not be on this side of the camera playing. Um, so I think a lot of us go through that. And so, you know, it's, it's, you decide, okay, I'm not, it's like, I don't want to run for office, but I want to cover politics. I didn't want to play sports. I did. I wasn't good enough. So I'm going to cover it. And that's what I did. How early was that though, that the journalism aspect Mm -hmm. of it came into it that, all right, I might not be able to play. So here's my avenue of still being in sports through journalism. I think just watching SportsCenter and ESPN growing up. I I grew up in the day of, of, you know, Chris Berman was an idol of mine. And and watching, you know, being an NFL fan and a Bills fan and watching NFL primetime, watching SportsCenter, the reruns when they were, what, a half hour and they would just replay every half hour in the morning or hour, whatever it was, and Craig Kilborn and Kenny Mayne and Dan Patrick, all the guys. So I grew up wanting that. Mm-hmm. And and I was always fascinated with, you know, my, my father, when he worked for Bausch & Lomb, uh, Ray-Ban sunglasses, we lived in Western Maryland for a few years, and he had, we didn't own a video camera, but he had one at work, and you had to sign it out. And so whenever he would sign it out, I was just fascinated with this piece of equipment that you could be on camera. <laughs> yeah. And so I would videotape my sister and I doing our homework, and I would perform. I would not take homework seriously so that I could do jokes and things while she's trying to work. And we have this video called the homework video at home that is about a half hour in length and it's me goofing off doing crazy <laughs> stupid things while she's trying to work and i just like i like that performance aspect you know there were parts of me that wanted to be an actor um just get into that into that avenue and so when you combine the love of sports with with that eventually getting a video camera and my parents would go out on a date and my me and my older sister and younger brother would stay at home and we would we would film mock newscasts <laughs> and present these to my parents when they got home. And so there's a lot of things that those, those moments that uh, kind of lead you to <laughs> to where you are. And those for me were... You were, were getting it. reps back were then. It. I was getting reps yes. in middle school. And, um, and, and I loved watching the reaction of my parents. You know, we tried to make people laugh and I still get a charge out of getting, you know, humor. And, and that's kind of my you know, wit, trying to be clever, those, those types of things, getting a reaction from people uh, in a positive way, not yeah. making people, you know, some people like to be on TV and make people angry or get those kind of emotional responses. I'm more of the, let's have fun in yeah. sports. Let's do that. Yeah. And obviously that's a big part of sports mm-hmm. too, is some people, it's an escape for people yeah. and make it fun from that perspective. Now, have you gone back and Watch some of those videos, the homework video. Have you seen any of I've those? I've probably seen it within the last, probably within the last five to seven years, but not 
I haven't shown my kids. I was going to say yes. Have you and shown I your need, kids? I've got four kids, ages now three to seven, and so um, they. I can see some of me in them with the performance and wanting to, you know, put on a show for mom and dad <laughs> and things like that. So it's it's really fun. And now four kids. Thing. That's yeah. amazing that yeah. you can even have time to actually work. With That's why four I, mean, kids. I, mean, I don't I don't go on vacation. <laughs> yeah, I go to exactly. work. That right. is vacation for me. I understand. Now, do even the oldest do they start to understand what dad does and see you on TV? Yeah. Are they starting to grasp that? Yeah, the you know, probably the two or three older kids. My oldest Cohen is going to turn 8 in October and he's actually been he's probably been on TV on a set uh, as often as I have over the last few years because <laughs> okay. he was part of our little experts thing that we did here where uh, you'd have during ACC media days for the basketball, you'd have players come and you'd have kids sit on the carpet and we would, they would do some sort of crisscross applesauce is what we called yeah. it. And just kids interacting with players and Roy Williams and, uh, Grayson Allen was there. And, and so he did that for about three or four years. We've been doing that. He's a little too old for that now. Uh, but even one of his clips was on Good Morning America. Even I haven't been on Good Morning America. My, my son was on there because he was funny in some March Madness preview, picking a bracket for our little expert stuff. So, uh, and I was one of the hosts on that with him and, and a couple other kids. So it's been cool. I've actually gotten to share it with at least one of my one of my kids. Oh, that's I think fantastic. they get it. I yeah. think uh, I think they at least understand it. I don't think there's this. Oh, it's so cool that he does that. I don't think there's any of that. It's just, oh, there's dad on TV or they'll hear my voice from, from another room. They'll run in. Oh, there's dad, there's on, dad. on TV. Yeah. And that, that's it. That's, that's just it. normal for them. Oh, there's yeah. dad again. Yeah. There's nothing. TV. They're not bragging about me at school. <laughs> that's really, there's nothing like that. No. So growing up on the East Coast, then how mm -hmm. do you get out to the University of Colorado? So my dad worked for Bausch and Lom, and then the summer before my senior year of high school, he worked for uh, Bole ski goggles, sunglasses. And so he got a job out there. And so I, we moved the summer before my senior year of high school. And that was, that was a, a, a challenge, to say the least, but it of wound course. up being my best year of, of high school. We moved a, a few times during school. Um, and, and each one was more difficult than the next because you're older, you're having more friends, you're more established, and then you get uprooted and you have to start over. Uh, it, was, it was a challenge, but I wound up in my senior year of high school doing things, since I didn't know anybody, I did things knowing it was one year, I'm going to try things that I, I, and I don't care what people think because they already think I'm the new Yeah, you're the new guy. Whatever. You know, yeah. they, don't, they don't know me. So I did a couple of plays on stage, um, at something I would never have done maybe in my previous high school because maybe I cared too much about what my friends thought. I didn't have any friends in this one. So I said, <laughs> let's, let's try that. I did that. I did uh, TV morning announcements. Uh, each classroom had a TV. And I took a class where you could uh, film the television morning announcements. We would tape those a few days a week. Then you'd go to class and then they'd play it in the class. And enough people thought I was good enough at it that you'd had teachers saying, hey, have you ever thought about going to the University of Missouri or this or that? And it, it gave me, I don't want to say the word fame, but it gave me some credibility amongst people that 
hey, here's this kid that I don't know, yet I'm watching him. He's pretty good at this TV stuff. And before long, you know, you walk around the hallway and you become not a well-known kid, but at least they recognize, they recognize who you are. And there's, there was a little credibility there. It helped me, it helped give me a sense of belonging to a school that I just started at. So that was, it was a great year. Actually, and so did you feel natural being in that environment of in front of the TV camera, yeah. up on stage? Did that feel like I think good to you? Getting the reps that I had in for my, for the mock newscast <laughs> that we did with my parents, I think helped. I always felt comfortable in front of the camera. I mean, we would, go on spring break trips in college and I'd bring the camera and I would turn it into just some documentary. I mean, it just different things like that where I was always fascinated with the, the editing portion, even production of, of it that I knew I wanted to be involved. But it felt, it did feel normal. I mean, some kids take that class just to kind of goof off and I was taking it very seriously, also having fun with it. And and combine that with a pseudo sense of humor, you know, I got good response from it, and that helped just reinforce where I wanted to go. Yeah. And then, so from there, you just wanted to stay in state. I didn't want to go, to go away from home. Yeah, I always wanted to go to Syracuse when I was in New York, and I knew that was a journalism hotbed. Of course, uh, but um, I didn't want to go far away from home. And my parents, with in-state tuition, I think were okay with <laughs> staying at Colorado. A little bit easier on their yeah. checkbook for so you. So it was 45 minutes up the road, and I, I went to school there and, and wound up doing radio and, and TV on campus. So how did you get anything done at Colorado, though? Because I've been to the campus. I've seen a football <laughs> yeah, game yeah, there, yeah. and I'm like, I don't understand yeah. how they ever go to class. Yeah, it's a, it's, it is the... The most beautiful campus it's amazing. in the country. It is at the, the foot the foothills of the base of the Flatirons. There, um, you know, I, and being a part of a of a campus where you got Division One football and pretty good college football at least while I was there, and then they kind of took a dip after I left. But um, you know, college hoops was okay. It was there, there are a lot of ways to keep busy, but at least I was doing I was studying you know, broadcast news and, you know, the classes that I was taking. You had to go to these sporting events and things. So, you know, it, it was probably a little easier for me to stay focused because you have to remember, I was one year in high school. Then I got, then I started in college and I didn't know anyone in school either. So there's back-to-back years where I really didn't, didn't know, know anybody. anybody. So I'm just trying to make my way in my field of pursuit and not, I wasn't distracted. I wasn't a drinker or smoke, any, any of those things that I wasn't a part of any of that. So in, in the school, I was kind of, at least for the first couple of years, the, the nerd until I made a lot of, <laughs> until I made a lot of friends through campus ministry and, and things like that, that helped me to, you know, feel a little bit more belonging to the school. Has faith been a big part of your life? It has been a huge part. It's been a huge, you know, getting into this business, you're always trying to make the right person like you, right? You know, when you apply for a job, you apply for um, a, a TV job. And I remember sending out a dozen tapes to uh, the state of Washington, to Montana, to all these small markets to try and get a job. And you realize that you need that news director to like you. If you don't, you are you're not going to get the job. It's such a subjective business. And so what I decided very early on was if as long as what I'm doing is is pleasing to God, everything else will fall into place. Um, you know, I've been a, a, a Christian, all, I feel like all, all my life, but it really took 
really became tangible in college at the University of Colorado. Campus Crusade for Christ was something I was involved with very heavily and have lifelong friends that I've met through that and um, kept me kept me on track and just helped me to keep a perspective that, um, you know, there's a lot there's a lot more important things than than the job, than this, than that. It's, you know, that's the most important thing. Everything filters off of that. And so that, that has helped me when we've got, we've got layoffs, we've got, you know, maybe something as drastic as that, something as minuscule as someone tweeting at you that they can't stand you or why are you, why do you have this job? I don't, you know, those, those things are, are very, I try to keep them very minimal and, and have that eternal perspective, which helps, you know, my family and us, especially in a, in a job like this. For sure. Cause yeah. you are exposed to, I mean, a lot of people are seeing you and I'm yeah. jealous that you've had that perspective. I didn't come into my faith until I was 37, yeah. I'm 47 yeah. now, yeah. but the past 10 years have been unbelievable. Granted, I've had some struggles in those 10 years. We all face adversity, yeah. but it's just knowing that faith in Christ is given me the strength as well. And I, I just love hearing those type of stories because I'm hoping that it will be the same for my kids now that they've been exposed and they're strong in their faith yeah. at a much earlier age than I ever was. You know, we all go through our yeah. own journey, but it is very impactful. You know, it, it's so easy to find your identity in what you do. And um, I would I would much rather be uh, a great um, man of... Uh, faith in a good father who happens to do this than the other way around. Uh, I, you know, when you, and I find myself, though, this is, this is not something I'm immune to. You know, you, you, you find yourself, your, your identity in, you know, whether or not someone likes something that you did, you know, your identity in your, uh, you know, how many clicks you're getting on a tweet or thing or things like that. That even sometimes I have to go. That's not. That's not that important. Uh, we just keep that. Keep that perspective. You know, we. I remember someone putting a um, putting it in perspective with. He was on stage and had a uh, had this rope that was a hundred yards long, and he kind of put his hands on it, was going through, and he's like, "We." He went to the very end of it and said, "We are so concerned about this part of it." And after this part of it, and then he went through the rest of the rope and showed you this eternity is incredible. This is how big eternity it's, it's, is. So right? when you, you know, this is this is important. Our jobs are important, and they should be. Um, but if you find your identity in those things, you're gonna things are gonna ring pretty hollow for you. I mean, even even Tom Brady's on record as saying, you know, I just want more. I want more. I, he's feeling that void. I want more in life. I, you know, because Super Bowls they just aren't doing it for me. He he said that before. And, um, and there's, there's a reason for that. That's right. It's, this isn't, none of this stuff is going to fill you up. Exactly. It's just not. It does. It can give you a good joy. And I've certainly gotten a lot of it and a lot of, uh, affirmation from it. But the greatest affirmation comes someplace else. I agree. Yeah. Speaking of the joy though, what was that like when you get your first job and somebody says, yeah. yes, we're going to hire you, Matt? It's, it's, uh, terrifying and awesome <laughs> at the same point. And I knew whoever, wanted to hire me first, that's where I was going. You know, that's another faith part of it is I'm sending out all these tapes going wherever, whoever on their heart says, this guy's the guy, I'm going to go. I could have been in Washington. I could have been in Montana. I could have been in Minnesota, wherever it was. And it wound up being in Kearney, Nebraska, 
which was the shortest, outside of maybe Colorado Springs, the shortest commute from my house in Colorado in terms <laughs> okay. of being able to get back home. Yeah. So five, five hours away in central Nebraska, I had never heard of Kearney. Um, <laughs> but I had actually, uh, I had met my now wife through campus ministry in California, and she lived, her family was in Lincoln, Nebraska, and she went to school in Minnesota. So I at least knew that I was going to be close to her family, which was a couple hours away from Kearney. So got that job, and I remember getting that job on the phone and and um, them saying, hey, uh, we're going to pay you, I don't know, eight eight dollars an hour or something, $8.25. I'm doing the math. Like, this is unbelievable. This is, this is going to be fantastic. You know, single guy. I'm going to have, I'm going to be rich. It's going to be great. And I'm rich on sports. Yeah, that's right. And I said, uh, and, and I got them up to maybe eight twenty five, and I just felt that was killing it. You know, eight fifty. Um, but that first job was great. You, you think when you have that first job, you're like, oh, here, here we go. I'm, I'm great. This is awesome. I'm so good at this job. And you go back and watch it go, I can't believe they hired me. This was, <laughs> I had no experience. What were they doing? And, but it's, it's been great. Did you ever have one of those moments, the boom goes the dynamite type of moment where just um, struggling on air? Not, I can't really recall. Th- those types of moments. I mean, there were there were times where I remember trying to come up with something to say and like locking up on camera for like felt like ten minutes and it winds up being three seconds. <laughs> and you you have you know the first time you're live reporting out at some event and they have the the microwave truck out there and you're you're reporting and they're coming to you and you're like, oh my goodness there's no prompter <laughs> what am I going to do and so I, I think you always have those moments of anxiety but I never you know. I'm I'm just very thankful that I got into sports before YouTube was a big thing. Twitter, Facebook, all of those things. I got to just go and screw up with very little pressure and not have to worry about something that I did making national news, which was nice. That's right. Well, yeah. and you get so you get to work on your craft, but it wasn't seen by everybody and anybody. That's right. You know, at the yeah, time. it was just the small town if if you were there, you saw it and um, and those were, you know, working in Kearney, Nebraska, we had, we, we were all young, out of college, and it was maybe the most fun I've had doing TV because you're all trying to do the same thing. We had a 60-year-old weatherman who was who was working there, and he was going to be a lifer, <laughs> yeah. and he worked there until he died. Um, but we were, we were all trying to make it, and it was a cool experience. And speaking of trying to make it then, was the ultimate goal ESPN? Or did you have specific yeah, goals? It, it was growing up. I, I wanted to do ESPN and Sports Center, and then, and then eventually, I just wanted to make enough money to afford to have a family. <laughs> that's yeah. what that's what it came down to. I want to have a, a decent job where I can, you know, hopefully in TV, where I can afford to raise kids, make more than eight fifty an hour, and um, you know, and and that was it. You know, priorities changed, and then it's. It's only when you're okay with life and things are going well that ESPN comes calling. And so that was... Yeah, it's, so was it's that something like, that you were pursuing or did ESPN call you? They so I, had, I, got an, I got an agent in uh, about 06 or 07. And through that agent, I got a freelance gig doing something that was called the Hard Bat Classic out in Las Vegas. It was a ping pong tournament that they had hoped to turn into some sort of you know, syndicated show. It didn't, but it was a two-hour thing that eventually it was airing on ESPN, but it was done by a different production company. 
And so I did that for, um, that was a, like a two or three day thing in Las Vegas. And that was my first kind of national exposure. And I remember when my wife and I got married and I was working in Omaha, Nebraska, when we got married, we got married on a Sunday and later that day they were supposed to air the hard bat classic. And so we were going to have it on TV for everyone to watch. There was a major league baseball game that went long on ESPN. So it got delayed. <laughs> um, but that was at least on the resume that I, that I had done that. So you added that to the reel. And then, um, and then I started doing a radio show and, and the radio show, uh, a few months into it, my agent called and said, Hey, ESPN would like to meet with you. And I was really loving what I was doing with, with the radio show. So I, I went out to Bristol, interviewed for an ESPN news anchor job. And long story short, did not get, did not get the job, but I also didn't really sell myself because, because I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't sure I wanted the job. Yeah. You weren't all in. I, I wasn't. And so it was uh, a few years later when I could feel the radio show was coming to an end because we had a GM again. You have to have one, the right person like you. The GM came in, even though our radio show was doing great, uh, myself and Nick Baugh, who's actually a Fox Sports um, a national college basketball analyst now, still does the local radio show. Uh, but he and I had a great time, but our general manager who had recently gotten hired, we could tell he wasn't into our show. And so I started pursuing uh, the ESPN Avenue again. Um, now the, the linchpin to a lot of this was Dari Noka, who back for my first interview, uh, Dari and I had a mutual friend. I did not know Dari, uh, but I had a mutual friend who I was talking to one day and said, yeah, I'm interviewing with ESPN. He said, Oh, I know Dari Noka who used to work for in Lincoln, Nebraska. He said, I'll have him, I'll tell him. Um, Dari calls me out of the blue, never met him, said, hey, I heard you got an ESPN interview coming up, struck up a friendship, conversation, greatest guy in the world. And so I wound up not getting that job. Well, a few years later, I can tell the radio show's coming to an end. I call Dari, say, hey, what's going on? And, and he had tragically just lost a child. And, mm -hmm. and so we were just talking about certain things. I asked him about uh, that and how he was doing and also about any opportunities that were going on at ESPN. He said, well, it's funny, at ESPNU here in Charlotte, they're trying to hire someone. So I would get your stuff in as soon as you, as soon as you can. <laughs> Quickly went home, didn't bother calling my agent or anything, just said, I'm going to put together this quick YouTube link. Did you even talk to your wife about it? Uh, yeah, I'm always, I was always in constant conversation <laughs> about it. But, um, but yeah, when but you think about it. It was a time it, crunch. It was a time crunch. We, we had to go through it, and, and we, were, uh, we were just having uh, our second child as well. I remember having our second child that morning, I had met with my GM at the radio show, and that's when I officially found out that he could not commit to me and the show. I knew there might be other opportunities within the radio station uh, to do another sports talk radio show, but not in the format we had been doing, which was devastating to me. A few hours later, I'm at the hospital welcoming in my, our, third, our second child, and wow. I have no idea what kind of world I'm welcoming her into. It was, I was completely distracted in the hospital for the, over the course of the 48 hours we were there. Um, so it was such a bittersweet time there. But anyway, the conversation with Dari, got the YouTube link, sent it off and communicated with my agent what was going on. Then he, he jumped in and he started being the, the liaison. And um, before you know it, I got another uh, interview there at ESPN. And uh, wound up wound up getting the job. 
I mean, there's a lot of different avenues that, that happen there, uh, different sidetracks within those couple of months. Of course. Including a, uh, a flight out of Omaha that I had, I had to get on this plane to get to Connecticut for this interview because July 4th was coming up. They had already actually, I'd already actually technically signed a contract to become the afternoon co-host there at the radio station, but I knew I wanted this job and I couldn't put this off any longer. Omaha flight gets delayed. I got to drive three hours to Des Moines to fly out of there, um, land in New York, drive up to, with all the flight delays and cancellations, <laughs> drive up from New York City to Connecticut. It's four in the morning. My phone is dying. I'm stopping every few miles to charge my droid. <laughs> you know, on the side, didn't have a car charger. Eventually get to ESPN. Um, uh, was at the hotel, slept for maybe an hour and a half, uh, and then went to the interview. And so this interview where I had no sleep and had all this happen was actually the best because I had the best icebreaker of all, which was, <laughs> you can tell I want this job. Look at what I just went through exactly. with planes, trains, and That's automobiles. That's quite a journey. So, yeah, there were a lot of things that had to happen where you feel God's hand in a lot of it and of um, eventually got the job and... Here we are five, six years later. And so what's it like on set behind the scenes? Is it just organized chaos? A little bit. Uh, you know, in your IFB, when you're communicating, there's a lot of chaos going on in the control room. You hear just a fraction of it because you're only hearing the producer talk to you. And then the viewer hears none of it. All they see is highlight to highlight to highlight. They don't know that someone is talking in your ear <laughs> saying, okay, let's go to this next, this next. Oh, what are you doing? Oh, we got to wrap. We got to get out. And so, but I've had great relationships with all the, the producers here and it's been, it's, uh, it, it is organized chaos. It's, it's controlled. And the less chaos you experience as a viewer, the better we're doing. And when you look back just in your journey and just the life mm -hmm. um, where you are now, how has sports impacted that and helped you? And again, what, why you're so passionate about sports and what it's meant to you? Yeah, I think it's, it's just given me an avenue to, an avenue to have a, a release of the passion, right? I mean, it's, it, I knew I love sports. I get to cover it and I get to, kind of find out how the sausage is made a little bit. The irony of being involved in sports journalism is I've become less of a fan. I used to be a big Bills fan, Colorado fan, you know, being a, an alum there. Um, but now that it's the job, I find passion in other things, you know, and, and whether it's family or, or different things through my kids and their sports. Um, I, don't, I don't live and die through my teams like I used to, which is good and bad. I was going to say, yeah, is it, do you yeah. miss it, but is it a good thing? I miss the, I miss the excitement of needing my team to win for my day to be good. <laughs> I don't miss my day being ruined from them losing. Exactly. Um, you know, I'm, I'm frankly more passionate about my fantasy football team than I am about my actual teams I grew up rooting for. Um, but it's, uh, it just, it gave me a way in. Uh, sports gave me a way in and without, without sports, I'm obviously not doing this. I, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but it gave me, it, it just gave me an avenue to, uh, pursue a, a great job with a great company and allow me to have a, you know, a family and, and all of those things that have come along with it. Yeah.
wrapping up then, I always ask each guest any words of wisdom, any phrases, quotes, mottos, or, or just life advice that has meant a lot to you that you'd like to share. I think just being, don't try to be someone you're not, because people eventually will see right through that. Those who are your friends and off camera, your family, you never want them to come up to you and say, who's that on TV? Now, the, the best people that I've met, whether they've made it to ESPN or still work in local TV, are the people that are the same on TV as they are off camera. And so that's what I've tried to be, is not, you know, someone on TV who's just a caricature of himself just to make it. You know, I'm, I'm going to be me and I'm going to just be myself. And if that's not good enough to make X amount of money or th get this show or that show or get recognized, then that's okay. I, I think that's the, the best thing. I mean, if you're not going to make it, just do it trying your hardest, but not trying to be somebody else. And being yourself and that one person should like you yeah. because of you're just being yourself that you had mentioned. That's part of it. Yeah. And, and also pursue a lot of different things. You know, if you want to get into broadcasting, don't just do TV, do radio, do podcasts, do so many different things. Look at, look at around the horn. Those guys who are on around the horn, at least in the outset, those are newspaper writers and now they're doing TV. You, know, you have to be able to do a lot of different things. You know, do radio, get used to the sound of your own voice and the headphones. You know, the delivery, the, you know, acting has helped me with projecting and, and all of those things that, um, that you just never know where your next job's going to be. I mean, if I had never done radio, I, I'm not sure what I'd be doing right now uh, because this fall I'm going to be doing radio game day on, on Saturdays. And I'm so excited about that. Had I never even explored that and just said, you know, I'm just doing TV, you know. It, you wouldn't it, have been prepared. You're ready now. Wouldn't be prepared and wouldn't have the opportunity. And so now you've got it because I've, I've done so many other things, you know, writing, producing, all those things. You know, some people make the jump from college to ESPN. And some people, you know, we, we have people in, in production who, who want to do that, you know, in school, straight from ESPN, how do I get on air? You miss so much in between that what, of the growth and different experiences that you need in order to get to where you want to be. I agree. I think it's all about the experiences and that's how we can really grow yeah. is through those experiences. That's it. Matt, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it. It's been an honor sitting down and talking with you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks a lot. An interesting byproduct of following your passion and taking a step out of that comfort zone is how these different pathways present themselves of exploring all other types of passions. And there's no doubt that Matt has experienced this firsthand. And the one thing that seems to have stayed constant through the whole thing is that Matt is staying true to himself regardless of the path. Now that finishes episode 78. And remember, focus forward so we don't live in the past. All the best, everyone. You've been listening to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Visit richtakeonsports.com to subscribe and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. You can also follow us on Twitter at Rich Takes Sports. Thanks for listening.